Mind Gap Podcast. Everybody, welcome to Mind Gap Podcast. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And Doug, let me ask you a question. At what age do you think people are their happiest? Oh boy. I thought you'd be like, at what age did you start jerking off? I'm like, I know the exact date. <laughs> I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna go right into that up front. I was gonna ease our audience in, much like you do during your ritual uh, of masturbation. Yeah. Cause you gotta you gotta warm up, otherwise you get hurt. You, you want know. to pull something. Yeah. Otherwise, this I doesn't mean, work. You know, you do want to pull something. But you yeah. do. You kind of have to. The age that people are happiest. Um, yeah. Are we talking like just dumb, dumb happiness? Like you don't know any better, so you're happy? No, just just in, happiest in life. Overall happiest. I don't want to put a qualifier of like what kind of happy. Just happy. I'm of two minds. One being like... Between the ages of five and ten, because okay. puberty hasn't kicked in yet, you don't understand. You get to have recess and naps. You get okay. snacks, you know. So that's a that's a pure happiness. That's just pure happiness. About. And then the other yeah. one is probably like I don't know, maybe in your fifties. Yeah. When you're kind of like cruising towards retirement, you stop giving a fuck about things, and you're like, eh, none of this matters. You know, yeah. you start getting to the point where you're like, yeah, fuck you, fuck you. You know, I, I don't. I don't care. Uh, I'd the worries say, go off my shoulder. I'd have to say I, I have a feeling that your fifties are probably one of the happier decades, uh, just because of that reason. You're you've you've figured out who you are. You know, you're at the you're young enough to still do pretty much anything you want. Uh, you're old enough to know uh, who you're not and what you don't want to try and mm-hmm. what like you know. Like, there's this medi- there's happy medium of able-bodied but uh have figured yourself out and i feel like that's a real i feel like that's the sweet spot yeah i agree i think um yeah when you stop when you because my initial you think like oh college is probably a good time i mean it can be you know in general but then you hit you know your early 20s and you're out in the real world and you realize you don't know jack shit and you got to figure out you better hope that you chose a general enough path to exist but then i for me i was like my 20s sucked my i was like some people in like, hindsight oh. you yeah. saying they sucked oh they sucked i kind of knew in my 20s they also weren't good once i i was yeah. like you're turning 30 how's it feeling like fucking let's go baby full speed ahead like we got a new uh new decade let's do it i'm done right. with my 20s this was not a not a good decade for me i couldn't wait to turn 30 it's and funny because when I when I turned uh, when I turned twenty, everyone was like, "Oh, you're you're going into your twenties." This was my favorite decade. As I turned thirty, I heard a lot of people say, "Oh man, thirties is really my favorite decade." Like that's your twenties. You you were just figuring out who you were. Thirties, you're moving into it. I turned forty, and I heard a lot of people tell me, "Oh man, forties is the best decade." I'm like, I feel like people are just trying to placate you, no matter what decade you're going into. They're just yeah. placating you. Yeah, I think it depends on how you look at it. Because for me, it's been like just continuous growth, you know, for for each decade. I've gotten a little bit, you know, there's ups and downs in each decade. Um, But um, 20s was by far, I think, the worst. Just because six years of that was at the hotel. 
So, you That's know. totally fair. I had yeah. a lot of fun in my 20s, but I did not like who I was in my 20s. Yeah, I didn't like what I was uh, going through. I felt pretty powerless uh, in my circumstances. Um, 30s were great because I started doing improv and, and whatnot. So there's a good four years of that decade where I was doing comedy, which was so much fun. And, uh, you know, got Kids, my daughter. don't ever you know. let someone tell you that bullying doesn't work. Right. I bullied Doug into doing improv and it's the best decision he ever made. I agree. I couldn't agree more. You got me. You got so me out bully, of my comfort zone, and I was like, right, "Okay, bully your friends." That's the. That's what I still don't know how you convinced me episode. to do that. I'm pretty obstinate when it comes to that stuff. And you like, I don't, I don't I know, know, man. How that works? How? How? I, I'm looking back on that. I'm like, how did you pull that off? Like, because <laughs> you at that time, like that, you your personality. I watched it change once you once you went into improv because mm-hmm. you. You learned how to you you actually in real time learned how to yes and and your whole outlook on life changed like you went from meh to meh but yes and I realized I had closed a door long ago and then improv opened that door again and it was a whole new like the lights and whatever chaos that came out of that room you know came pouring out and it was great. Uh, and I forgot that I was like, oh, this is kind of like a door to my childhood of just playing pretend and right. and whatever. And it, it 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 absolutely shifted everything in my life. It shifted how I approached everything. It brought uh, energy to it. It helped me find my passion for like corporate work. <laughs> it feels gross to say that, but it's true. You know, uh, how to how to like combine both of those. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Looking back on it, because I, I know you were doing the writing program. Yeah, but I don't know how you you, you said you're going to do improv, and you're like you should do it. And for some reason, I didn't really resist. I was like, okay. Well, yeah, you and Drew both said yes, which again yeah. was I. I don't think there was much, uh, you know, cajoling. I don't think I had to really get in there and like work work the angles. But it was a real easy lift, and I don't. Which again, with both of you, should not have happened. No, it, like traditionally, both of you should have been a very very. Uh, it should have been very hard. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but congratulations. You unlocked some Xbox achievement, you know. <laughs> bullying for Again, good, you know. Bullying for good. Always bully your friends. Yeah, kids. bully for good. Yeah. The new Justin Foundation, 501c3. Bully for good, you know. Be, be on the lookout. I got a book coming out, a uh, paperback book this uh, this holiday season, Bully for yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, chapter one. I'm going to release each chapter as its own paperback book. Oh, there you go. It's yeah. a 40 chapter book. Chapter one, read this, you pussy. You know <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you got to live what you write, right? That you, I'm living in the book. I am actively using my uh, what I'm what I'm preaching. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, pick it up and read it. You fucking jackass. You yeah. jackalope. Yeah, you like these words. You like reading these words with your eyeballs. Well, good. Listen up, because I got some shit to tell you. Bullying can be good. You're reading this, aren't you? You're fucking welcome. Buy my crypto. (laughs) (laughs) Bully coin. Bully coin. Bully, bully, bully coin. Uh, Justin, it's been a minute. It has. Since Uh, we've we've talked, because I I was out for a week because I was traveling for work. And then your computer... um, you know, had a heart attack and a stroke at the same time. It really and did, yeah. It's clinging to life right now. And so you're like, hey, uh, I'm not going to be available. 
for a podcast. I was like, no problem. I brought the magical Jill in. So if you haven't checked right. out that episode, go back and listen to it. It was a delight having her on. We talked about a lot of fun stuff, so you should definitely go check that out. But it's great to see you again, sir. I'm it glad you're back. wonderful to see you. I'm very happy to be back. As we saw at the beginning of this, before we started recording, my computer is really, it is just, it's, doop, yeah. Doop. It's that it's it's on its last legs, and so it's uh, it's struggling. Justin had to it stab knows. it with adrenaline, you know, to get it to, to to move for this recording. So it's it's it hanging knows on. It needs it needs to perform tonight, and then after yeah. that, I think it's just done. Yeah, you gotta yeah. take it out back. And, uh, yeah, you're gonna yeah. I'm gonna send it up to the uh, Apple gods. Send it up to the old Steve Jobs in the sky. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not not thrilled about dropping coin on a new uh, a new Mac, but it is what it is. You know what? Hopefully, this will get me through at least another two years. That's the thing I get excited I for. If, again. if I have to drop money on something, I want to drop it on some hardware like a computer. I'm like, listen, this sucks, but also I'm getting a fucking new computer, and this is exciting. It's you know, be all right. Yeah, I get pretty pumped uh, up about that. The uh, the leaps and bounds that they you know have made in well, look, fuck every year they make it seem seemingly they they sprint ahead but seven years i've had this computer so i'm guessing that there's going to be some good upgrades in the new thing i'm getting yeah. so pretty excited right. now i wanted to ask you how did uh the work retreat go how did going out and traveling for work because that's not something that you typically do Mm-mm. it was i wasn't looking forward to it just because like you know traveling i had to go out to the west coast right and uh you know i typically travel for enjoyment like 99% of my travel is is traveling for fun and recreation and vacation. So the idea that like I had to travel for work, I was like, ah, this kind of sucks. At the end of this isn't some sort of, you know, fun little ride. It's go to work. But yeah. it was exciting because uh, I, you know, I work remotely and I actually haven't met my, my teammates yet. So I actually got to meet my teammates in person and I got to spend some time with a larger team and I had a really good time. It was really nice uh, actually being in an office and we didn't really we didn't do any work work. We did some team building. We did some um, you know uh, brainstorming on some stuff. Uh, we had some uh, food outings. There was a baseball game, all sorts nice. of stuff, and it was really cool. It, it was it was a concerted effort by my employer to bring people together to help people connect, and everyone was incredibly sincerely, authentically kind. So people that, that I re- hadn't met refreshing. or didn't know that well were incredibly welcoming. Like I would just go like on our breaks, I'd just go sit intentionally sit at an empty table and people would come and just sit down. People I didn't know or hadn't met That's before awesome. would just come sit down and we'd just shoot the shit. And it was really, really That's cool. Awesome. I got to know a lot of people and some people I got to know, spend some time with and really talk to. And it was really fun. It was really, really good. It's a weird, uh, in, in the current work climate, it's, very odd that you can because you've been at your current job for how long two and a half years two and a half years and this is the first time in two and a half years you've actually met any of your team face to face yep that's that's so bizarre to me like it's yeah. i know we're in it, i don't know we're in a we're in a real weird time where it's amazing that we get to work remotely and that a lot of businesses and companies have figured out how to do that but at the same time what a weird fucking thing to have worked at a company for two and a half years and never to have met another soul in person. That it's is interesting because you never realize how short or tall people are. Like you kind of get an idea in your head of how tall someone is and you meet them sure. and they're, they're like, you're like, oh, God damn, you're way taller than I thought. Or like, you're super fucking short. Like, right. I try to let people know. I'm like, I'm 6'3". So just so you know, when you meet me, I'm going to be tall. Right. and uh, I'm going to be picking you up. 
I'll just be like, yeah, it'll be pretty. You'll find me pretty easily. I'll be easily <laughs> spotted. Um, so it was it was really cool getting to spend some time, and um, it was it was good. It was it was time well spent, and uh, yeah. uh, I found out that all everyone on my team uh, are introverts because in the okay. team meeting before we went. We do like an icebreaker in our meetings. It's like, uh, what's your, you know, since we're all headed to this conf or to this, you know, this retreat, uh, what's your favorite thing to do, you know, like when you travel for work? And everyone gave introverted answers. Like, I love to check into my hotel and have a room with two beds and order room service because one bed's the bed that I eat on and the other bed's the bed that I sleep on. It's awesome. And, and someone's like, <laughs> what else does someone say? Like, um, I don't know. It was just all like, yeah, I can't wait to read in my bed. <laughs> or I'm like, I like to go walk by myself around the around the neighborhood. It's like everyone had like these introverted. I like, to go, I like to go find a retirement home, the local retirement community, and I like to prey on innocent victims. Exactly. Like yeah. I just, I, I like to play alone, please. Is basically what everyone said. And right. my boss was like, well, this is interesting. We're all severe introverts. So I'm going to challenge all of us to be open and outgoing for this retreat so what was your what was your answer to that like oh, were walking you, did you have an introverted answer as well w- walking i was like i like okay, to walk yeah. like go out and just explore like you know mostly for exercise but i like to spend that time exercising on my own just going out and about you know i was like i like to close my rings oh, yeah i do and i That's fucking it. did yeah. i fucking did man i got up early i stretched and i walked slash ran for almost two hours every morning yeah because I was like, I got to get all this shit in because who knows what the day is going to hold as far as movement. And most days I was fucking exhausted afterwards. So I'm like, I'm glad I got all this done because I don't have the energy to do anything else. So, right. yeah, I told I told Hag and I were having a competition last week and I told him that you had uh, you had, I, we always go back and forth because he's old and fat. And uh, so Apple, the Apple Watch gives him a lot of uh, leeway. So he always hits his goals quicker. And I said, you cheat. And he goes, no. He goes, you're just younger and fitter than I am. And I'm like, you cheat. And so we were talking about just closing, uh, like what you have to do to get up and close the rings. And I said, well, Doug, Hag said something about, well, we can't do it next week because I'm, you know, traveling or I've got something. And I go, Doug managed to do it. He goes, that that fucking guy's a fucking addict. He goes, thank God he doesn't do drugs. (laughs) You know what? I accept that as a compliment. I accept that as a compliment. There's got to be some sort of program you can go to. <laughs> yeah, it's called I Don't Want Diabetes. You know, not anonymous. Like, you know, like... Right. The 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 sickness that runs in my veins is kept at bay by me moving. So that's what, yeah. uh, that's what I do. So... <laughs> but I'm coming up on almost two years straight, man. I, dude, two that's years, absolutely bonkers to me. Two I'm, years I'm straight of hitting, hitting my move goals. I forget where I I'm at. That. But I'm closing, uh, I'm closing the gap. Because I'm coming up on the 730 days straight of hitting every single move goal. so That's insane. Congratulations. That math says honestly. two years. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Jill was talking about in the last week's episode how much stress that would give her to have a streak oh, like that. Yes, because I would be so afraid of breaking it. I th- See, the thing is, I'm at peace with the fact that I'm like, I'm going to break it someday. It's going to happen, and that's fine. Um, but until then, like this is my routine. I'm going to do this as... as whatever I can to keep this going. And when it breaks, it breaks. But for now, I'm happy to keep it going. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it's not going to break my soul if it ends. You really, like, you have made your peace, like truly made your peace with it because it's easy to say, but the minute that you see, you're like, oh my God, it's 10 o'clock and I have 300 calories left to go. Like, 
the minute that that happens, like, are you are you really think you're gonna be okay? And I know out? it'll be because it's, it'll be for good reason. Like I'm fucking sick, or okay. I got hurt, or Ooh. like there's not. Sorry, that's be- the. That's the other thing. Hey, goes. He goes. What the fuck does he? Because I told him. I said, Doug's come up in two years, and he goes. Did, what, does the guy never get sick? And I go, Hey, you don't get sick when you close your rings. I mean, honestly, I I've had I haven't had a severe sickness in a long time. It's and impressive. Even the days that I've been under the weather, I still go out and walk. I do something. Yeah. I move. You know, because it's part of my routine now. Like I I will feel awful if I don't move because that's again that's slipping back into old Doug. When I think about old Doug days. Where, dear God, I would love to have seen the movement, <laughs> the movement calories I burned in basically those 15 years <laughs> that I didn't do shit. I didn't do jack shit. Like, your, your watch would have kept, you would have kept alerting you, just saying, "Are you okay?" It would have been like, you, "Hey, you, can we stand up once today?" Um, that would be really great. Just, just for us. Just do yeah. it for us. Can you please go on a 15 please. minute walk? Please, right. just once this month. That's your goal. Go on one 15-minute walk. <laughs> if you don't stand up, I'm going to automatically call the emergency services. Yeah. It's like, please, please go do something. Please move. So it's, it's just part of my routine now. And it's something that yeah. I, you know, I really enjoy. I really enjoy doing. And, um, you know, it keeps it keeps that darkness at bay because I got to fight off the food demons that are always just uh, chomping away at me being like, you should eat. You should eat. I'm like, stop it. And I have to mentally be like, you're fine. As, like I've said numerous times, after dinner is the worst. Dinner is the worst time for me just because it yeah. builds up throughout the day. I eat throughout the day. I don't starve myself. I have a solid breakfast. I have a post-workout snack. I have lunch. And then, but come dinner time, my body's just like, mm, let's go. And right. I have to like really keep an eye on my portions. And when I'm done, I have to tell myself, you're okay. You ate enough you're gonna be okay but my body's like yeah but what if we had some m&ms it's like no it's like "Mm, come on man why don't you try out some of those jelly beans that are up there in the cabinet Uh uh-oh i saw some double stuffed oreos under the cabinet why don't you just have one and i'm like no you're fine you don't need to and if i wait 30 minutes do something else i forget before i know it i'm good i'm good to go the TV is the killer for me. Always has been. If I sit down, I just mindlessly, I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll be done eating. Like, I'll get done with a meal. I'll sit down and watch some TV. And I'm, I'm like, I need like popcorn or something. Like, I need something mm-hmm. to just mindlessly munch on. And I've I've been trying to be more cognizant of that. Uh, it's just uh, like... Um, Sort of uh, acknowledging, just acknowledging mm-hmm. the fact that I'm like, no, you're not. This is just a routine, and you've got to break this. It's it's a it's a pattern that's been established in your in your brain, and you need to break it. And yeah, it's I not give easy, myself but, yeah. I give myself Friday and Saturday to enjoy some treats, and then okay. other than that, I'm like, let's let's get on the program, let's stick with the program, right. and let's you know, because I'm not a I'm not a psychopath. I want to enjoy life. Like Natalie went to the orthodontist today, and there's this amazing like. Cinna, cinnamon roll place next to it called Cineholic, and okay. they have you basically can make your own cinnamon roll, but they also have specialties like s'mores what? and like apple pie and like cookie monster with like cookie dough and like it's insane stuff. And uh, she uh, she and Jill went to that after her appointment, and she's like, "Do you do you want one?" I go, "I'm gonna pass. I want one, but I'm gonna be a good boy today. I don't need a." I, because I'm looking at these, I'm like, I'm looking at the calories. I'm like, this Cookie Monster one is almost 1,200 calories. I'm good. Jesus. Like, I don't, 
I don't yeah. need that. And yeah. uh, as much as I'd like to, and, and Jill and now you each got one, and Jill's like, just try a bite. So I tried a bite of each one of them. I'm like, those are sure. good. And then I moved on with my day. And I was like, yeah. look at look at you. You know, Look how far you've come, being able to just yeah. be like, um, um, they're good. And then, you know, peace out. But the, been, the, been, but the demon does start clawing at the back of my head come Friday. It's like, let's feast, you know? Right. I'm like, all right, let's have something tonight. But I don't go crazy. I have myself like, get one of Natalie's little plastic bowls. I fill it up about a third of the way of M&M's. Like, that's my treat, you know? Yeah. The old days would have been like, let's get this Costco-sized bucket of M&M's and we'll just have it up here with me. To yeah. consume until I, you know, like you doing stuff, and I before I know it, like I'm just shitting blood because my body doesn't know what to do with all the sugar and chocolate, you know. You almost got me on that one. Ah, uh, it's darn close. You, you were. It was very. As close. soon as you were drinking, I'm like, I might land one here. I might land a spit take. Oh, I might man. have it. <laughs> you know, we just might have it. That was what one of the big things I learned is like, don't take the container with you. Okay, and that's yeah, one of the things yeah. I've stuck with where I want to because that's what I used to do is just like we'll take this whole thing with us. It's like no. Right. Pick out what you want and then walk away. <laughs> right. Don't take don't take the bag of pretzels with you. Don't take nope. the whatever. Yeah. Just and that's why I'm teaching Natalie too, because a lot of times she would bring the bag. I'm like, no, pour some out into your bowl and then put the rest back. Don't right. don't fall into that trick. That's a trick. That's a trap, and you're gonna it's gonna be tough to get out of. So don't do yeah. that. Please don't do that. It, it really is like it's when those when those patterns get get solidified and established. It's very fucking hard to yeah. break those. It's doable, but it's so so hard. Yeah. Speaking of patterns and, and habits, I wanna I wanna address something real quick. So we posted a clip a couple of weeks ago about uh, I mentioned about how it was hard for me to poop on a plane because <laughs> the to- the toilet was so small that I couldn't tuck my wee wee down while I was pooping, and you know because as I mentioned, not every pee pee is a poo poo. But every poo-poo is a pee-pee. And I got some people sending me messages saying, hey, it's not that hard. Just pee before you poop. I got something for you, pal. <laughs> because I don't think you're being honest with yourself about how your body works. Because let's just say this isn't an emergency moment. We'll set that off to the side for a moment and we'll come back to it. All right. Let's just say this is your run of the mill dookie that you got to push out of your rectum. All right. And you sit down and let's just say you have the ability to go pee before you have to poop because sometimes I can pee a little bit, but then the poop comes. <laughs> right. So it starts coming out as you push the pee out, right? Because you can let mm-hmm. it dribble out, and then, but then you have to push, and then guess what? The poop starts coming. So then you you have to poop, and then guess what happens? After you poop, pee comes out, right? Like, that's how this works. I'm not the one person this happens to, right? Justin, can you can you vouch for me here? That happens? It absolutely happens. I think there there are times where I think what is being suggested to you is potentially a uh, a, a possibility. But uh, if 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 it, if it's dire straits, as we've talked about, it is not always an option. Or sometimes even when it's not dire straits, you just you're trying to pee and your poop is like no. For whatever reason, when I have to poop. I don't. My pee stops because my body is like this takes priority. Like I think, yeah, I can't well, isolate look, hey, them. You know. Different, different, uh, you know, different situations for different folks. I will right. say that 
I, I, I believe that I uh, would be able to, I feel like I have in the past, uh, isolate the two. But again, we're talking if it's just like a passive like, mm, I could poop now. It's not like it's, it's here and it, mm-hmm. is in, it is knocking on the door. If that's the case, there's no uh, splitting the two. Right. And also, let's add the pressure of you don't have the option of tucking your dick into the toilet. Right. right. So you better hope you got it right, because otherwise Again, there's some pee coming yes. out, you know. Right. So to the make folks sure, who are yeah, like, make sure you've emptied, you've drained. To some people are like, wow, we're really failing critical thinking. Hey, I'm not fucking stupid. All right. My body works the way that it works. I understand. I'm not like, oh, man, what do I do? I have to go pee and poop. Oh, I guess I'll go poop and then maybe I'll pee on myself. I understand. I understand how all this works. All right. I'm not stupid. Okay. It's just when you poop, you also pee. That's a fucking fact. All right. That's a fucking fact. And to the stupid stuff. Sorry. I jumped it. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's okay. It's okay. That was good. And to the person, to the woman who said that. Um, adults can have fun on Halloween too. If you Halloween's meant for adults too. If you want to just give out candy on Halloween to kids, do a trunk or treat with a face palm emoji. Are you admitting that you've gone trick or treating as an adult by yourself? Because if so, I have questions for you. I have questions for you. At me for sure. Because I asked you and you didn't respond. Because what I was talking about is people who go trick or treating as adults by themselves. That's weird. And there's no debate there. That is strange. So if you're like, no, it could be fun for adults. Are you going around as an actual adult dressed up in a costume, ringing doorbells and saying trick or treat and taking their candy? Because get a fucking job and buy your own. Okay. All right. Or go to a bar like a somewhat irresponsible adult and get drunk and hammered in your costume. Enjoy Halloween that way. All right. Can I do it now? Yeah. Stuff is stupid. Stuff is dumb. Doug hates stuff. Absolutely. Yes. <clears throat> I'm or find there's in look in your neighborhood. There's got to be a group of parents that go around. Just hop, make friends with them, jump on the bandwagon, and uh, do your fucking uh, trunk or treat, drunk or treat, whatever the fuck you want to do. You know, uh, and that's pull a fine. little cart around with you and have some candy and some booze and uh, make a fucking night of it. You See, know? that's the thing is people are like, ah, you know, I go around my kids. That's fine if you're going around with your kids, your nieces, 100%. your nephews, and you're dressed up with your kids as part of what. That's totally cool. What we're talking about is right. as an adult, you are too old. It's awkward when you and there's an awkward exchange where someone opens the door and they see you. And they're like. Uh, what? And you're like, <laughs> how many can I take? You know, like, it's like, what the fuck? Go buy your you own, man. Any, uh, you got any of the big ones in there? It's like, you when, when someone looks at you and be like, you had, I'm assuming you can go to Costco and buy this on your own, sir. Nah, like, I don't got a membership. They won't let me back in there. I tried too many times with a card. I tried too many times. They kicked me out. I, I don't want to do it anymore. Me out. Yeah. I can't do it. I kept making a mess with the hot dogs and the mustard. Yeah. They won't let me in. They're like, oh, Mustard Dan, he can't come back in here. We get, they got my, my poster up on at least four four Costco's in the, in the surrounding zip codes. In the, the tri state area. <laughs> tri state area. They're like, Mustard Dan, he's, I'm like an outlaw. There's a reward if you catch me. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure they've notified corporate because I tried. I was on vacation. I tried walking in, and they say, "Uh-uh, mustard, Dan." But you know what, though? I've been watching a lot of Mission Impossible lately, and I'm going to try and do a mask thing and see if maybe I can I can charm my way in. Because he walks if I in do, with a Nixon mask. He just like, from Point Break. Right. And then he tries a nun mask from the town. He's like, ah, they'll never see me. They're like, here's Mustard Dan. <laughs> the Ballad of Mustard Dan. The Ballad of Mustard Dan. I, I'm into that. That needs to be on a poster. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Woo. Oh, tell you what. Speaking of corporate stuff, super duper corporate stuff, uh, Justin, what, uh, what hellscape has Disney Plus wrought as of late? <laughs> well, uh, man, this was interesting. So when I first got wind of this, I messaged you and Slotty on Instagram and I said, uh, you know, I, I'm hesitant about this, but I'm also very interested. Uh, it's the Disney Plus Toy Story Fun Day Football. Uh, basically, they've got a, I'm assuming it's with ESPN, uh, they simulcast the game that's on Sunday, and uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's Sunday. Anyway, mm-hmm. they simulcast the game, uh, but they are using some sort of AR program to set it in Andy's room from Toy Story. And so all these, basically they have faceless uh, football players on each side with the numbers, no names, and they're actually in real time uh, having these animated players run the plays. And Slinky Dog is the 10-yard marker, and uh, they've got commentators specifically commentating on this, and they cut away to the different characters, and I think they had a halftime show with someone from Toy Story 4, and it was a whole... Duke it was Kaboom. A whole, Give him your one. respect. I shan't. Mm-hmm. But that's that why was, I yell uh, whenever I poop in the in the airplane. I yell, Duke Kaboom! <laughs> oh no, I peed on myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, durable. <laughs> uh, no, but I think... I, so I watched... <clears throat> I, I, I didn't watch it live. I went back. You can see it in replay and you can kind of scrub through. And I'll say this. What they're doing is fascinating because they're tapping into an almost ungettable market. Like if you look at the Nielsen ratings for like kids 6 to 12 or, you know, 3 to 12 on Sundays during football, uh, I'm sure it the, the numbers are negligible. You know, that you're not getting a good uh, a, a good market share from from that demographic. And if Disney is able to do this and pull in that demographic and breed a whole new generation of football fans, uh, that's an advertiser's wet dream. Like they are, they are figuring out using technology, figuring out a way to bridge a gap between a program and a demo that has no crossover. And it's f- from a corporate side, it's fascinating. They've got a lot of work to do because it was very glitchy. <laughs> uh, it, it made me just a little glow of darkness in me when I heard you say from a corporate perspective, because I know a part of you died when you said oh, that yeah. as well, you know, yeah. from a oh, corporate yeah. perspective, it's pretty exciting. I mean, we got some it, pretty exciting look. times ahead of us, you know, because <laughs> we Q talk about the, demo- of- <laughs> the demographic of kids six to 10 based on Nielsen ratings. I'm telling you, I mean, it's a gold mine. We're going to mine it. We're rolling this out in Q3 of 2023. And by Q1 of 24, we expect to have 75% coverage and 100% buy-in. <laughs> That's right. The ad <laughs> sales are going to make your dick move, you know? Yeah. Don't like it. I uh, I watched probably a total of two minutes of it, and I had to shut it off. 
because uh, it was definitely one of those things where I'm like, just because we can do it doesn't mean we should do it. Because <laughs> I was watching it, I was like, yeah. this is cringeworthy on so many levels. Um, because I was like, if as an adult watching this, I'm like, I know what you all are doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I see it. Yeah. It was like a, a friend years <clears throat> ago, a guy I worked with, I was like, you know, he was a nerd. I'm like, you know, do you like Big Bang Theory? He goes, no. I'm like, why? I feel like it would really appeal to you. He goes, I know what they're doing. I see what they're doing, and I don't like it. I don't like the thinly veiled thing of like, hey, we're nerds just like you. <laughs> you know, the same thing with this. It's like in between plays, they're interviewing these fucking NFL players who are like, my favorite character for playing defense right. has got to be. It's got to be the little aliens with the multiple eyes because as a quarterback, you got to be able to see the whole field. They're like, who do you like more, Buzz Lightyear or Woody? And they're like, Buzz Lightyear, I think, is cool because he can fly. Like these adult men who are right, who are basically right. trying to crush each other's skulls are like, I prefer Woody because he's a leader. It's just like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, like this is, it's, it's like, oh, let's uh, check and see if we got the first down marker. Out comes Slinky Dog. And uh, so yep. it starts with uh, his, his face is where they're trying to get, I'm like, Man, I don't know. Like this is uh, this seems they really. They started at his ruby star fruit, and they got to go all the way to the top of his snoot. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it was it was extremely difficult to watch. Um, I, I understand. Look, I respect that. Yeah, and I respect the idea of like it was an interesting experiment in my mind to be like, what can we do with AR and whatnot, mm-hmm. and what can we do? Because it seems, for the most part, again, I only watched about two minutes of it. I was like, okay, I see what they're what they're doing here, like as it's happening and whatnot, and there's some fun, you know, graphics and you know, unique stuff. But I'm like, I can't imagine anyone being like, oh boy, let's turn on the Sunday Fun Day, you know, right. for Toy Story. I- it's just dripping with corporate. Oh, it 100% is. I don't think it's good television. Like, I'm going to be very clear. I don't think this is like, I can't, I, I respect what they're trying to do. Again, they're trying to make their bottom, they're trying to, they're trying to, you know, make their bottom line and and stay in the green and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I don't, I just don't see many kids where it is right now being like, can we turn on, uh, you know, Fun Day Football, Dad? Can we, Mom? Can we turn it on? But I don't want to watch that boring real life game. I want to watch this one. And it's then, still like, boring. all the parents, and all the parents are like, "Yeah, we should totally do that." I don't want to watch real life either. Like, I can't. I just don't see it connecting. I it's don't still see boring. It. It's like there's a play. Yeah. It's like, oh well, no game. It was, well, that All was right. the thing. Is let's uh, let's go ahead and huddle back up, and then the God bless these announcers. They're like, so Toy Story. Uh, yep. You know, they're just trying to fill the game because they're like kids may be watching this, so right. it's just hey, do, <laughs> well, do that- a little whirly do with the graphics. You know, like get, the, get get do something fun on the sideline. You know, it's like ugh, I just gross. don't see there wasn't enough uh, actual like play action. Like I, I know yeah. there was in the game, but when you for some reason when you when you put this shell this ar shell over the whole field and the players it just took a level of excitement out of it and i'm it's, like this it's, is it sucked the very, humanity out of it boring. it sucked yeah. the life out of it because you just very feel like boring. you're watching a boring video game you know yeah yeah exactly yeah like bad and the technology bad is cool the fact that it's skinned on top of actual people and they're moving accordingly i think that's very mm-hmm. impressive but at and the it's same only time going to get better like we, yeah again ai is always the worst it will ever be yeah. At the same time, when you watch it and you're like, "Yeah, this is not that enjoyable," I'll just turn on the regular game. You know, right. as as we're trying to do this, it's, I don't know. <clears throat> it was it was really weird, and yeah, 
It, it was weird. Yeah. I, again, I like I like that at least companies are taking. I don't like the end uh, the the rationale. Like again, gross corporate gross corporate greed is driving it. But I do like companies taking technology and and saying, well, what can we try now? Like, let's try this new thing and how far can we push it before it starts to break? And then what do we need to do to fix that? And I feel like that is the way we get innovation. So I say kudos for them for, it was a big swing that they're doing with this. And I don't know if it'll stick. Uh, And if it does, it is only because of ad dollars uh, that they're going to make it stick. Uh, So kudos for them for trying uh, gross for why they're doing it. We'll say. Yeah, I'm I'm constantly fascinated by the application of AR because yeah. um I I think AR is essentially like a heads up display, you know, like in the video games and stuff that you play and, and whatever. And I think that what's possible with that I think is absolutely fascinating. Um I when Natalie was younger, I had an app on her iPad that uh would it would you would basically pointed at like a space on the floor and a story would be told and it would be on her floor as you look through the iPad. There was like, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears and you just, you would watch it play out as if it was on her floor on her bed or, or something like that. It was a really cool way of just doing storytelling. And I'm like, that's really interesting how people can, apply that kind of technology to do stuff. So I'm, I'm constantly curious. I'm this, I'm in the same boat of like, you know, I would love to see a better way of using it, <laughs> but I, I applaud the attempt. I can't remember if it's Apple or Disney. Are I don't remember if Disney developed an app that syncs with Disney Plus, or if Apple was doing something through Apple TV. I, I want to say it was Disney, but they had something very similar to what you're describing, where you could hold your iPad up as you're watching a movie, and like let's say you're watching uh, Rapunzel, like when she throws her hair down, it'll fall out of the TV and roll on into your living room, mm-hmm. and like. Uh, big waterfall scenes like from the Jungle Book or whatever would be you would see it like expand out of the TV and the water f- would be like tumbling into your room and birds would be flying away and right. it kind of it, it it bridged that gap between the television and your space and you watch you know Song of the South and like the racism just pours out into your you into don't your need AR room. for that Doug <laughs> <laughs> nah you know what that that one doesn't need AR. It's, it's they were comes, a, it, they were ahead of their times. Those filmmakers. It comes working right out of the box. <laughs> yep, they really made that racism pop off the screen. Hiya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see um, some different attempts to use this. I don't know, like if this leads to something else, cool. But yeah, mm-hmm. as, as an adult <clears throat> watching this, it felt really gross. And very yes. obvious what they were trying I to do. I won't be watching it again. I'll say that. And much. I didn't. I didn't appreciate it. Honestly, I thought it was uh, pretty, pretty gross and uh, cringy. And um, yeah, I was like, I, I see your agenda, and I reject it. <laughs> my current, my current favorite application of AR <clears throat> is is so adult and boring. It is uh, being able to look at furniture, preview furniture in your space before you buy it. Like that's, I'm like, that's yeah. that's that's it. And to me, that's the. That's the top of the mountain right there. We've got I like it. being able to use it to do measurements. Like, how much is yeah, this? And exactly. Do, yeah, I'm like, oh, sweet. This is actually how much, how, how big it is. You know, that's yeah. kind of cool, you know? The funny thing is I use that all the time, but I never trust it. I do it, and then I go <laughs> and then I go find myself a tape measure. I'm like, oh, that's right, okay. we got to double check. Many, yeah, you got to double check t- it, you know? <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to do it until I finally buy into the fact that it knows what it's doing. 
Well, you don't want to like assume it's right and then get, right. especially if you're buying like a big piece of furniture or something like that, and then being like, for me, I was using it to measure my uh, um, my air filters, my it's HVAC system. I was like, yeah. it's like I gotta, I gotta get the right one, otherwise it's that's not gonna fit in there, and that's gonna be a problem. Right. So you know, I don't need to know measure my dick. We all know how big our dick is, Justin. We don't need it. We don't need an AR system to tell us how big our dicks are. You also probably shouldn't be pointing your iPhone camera at it at all because it's just capturing that data. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just going, womp, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. S- Siri comes on and just goes, ouch. <laughs> just goes, nice car. You know, if you're lucky. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like something out of uh, Super Smash Brothers. It's actually uh, from the uh, Wii Bowling. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Well, hey, look, Nintendo. It's in the same vein. Hey, yeah. it's it's a Nintendo. Yeah. Hey, it's a nice cock. It's a Nintendo. Uh, Speaking the, of football, Doug. Mm-hmm. You heard, you watched. Oh, the your t- oh, it's my turn. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. We got the. Uh, there it is. <laughs> oh no! Wait. Oh, hold on. We gotta yeah. do the. Wait. It's the. Uh, Speaking of football, um, so I watched the uh, Florida Gators documentary. I don't know what it's called. I don't know if it's called yeah, Florida I, Gators. or It's called Swamp Kings. Oh, that's right. That's what I call my balls I, when it's hot outside. Because I kept looking up on Netflix. I'm like, Florida Gators. And it kept bringing up Swamp Kings. I'm like, that's not what Doug said it was called. It was Florida Gators. And it can't bring up Swamp Kings. I'm like... I wonder if this is it. This might be it. I was like, I don't know. There's like a Florida Gators thing on it. I don't know what it's called. I don't know. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> like, what's it called? I don't know. It's about the Florida Gators. Schwab Kings. Um, yeah, it was basically. It was basically about the. You know, uh, I play this character in my D and D campaign that basically is like Mario. <laughs> And uh, I'm always like, hey, it's a me, a Vasily. Hey, it's just so nice to see you. And he just comes out from time to time. So uh, yeah, I was watching this and um, I, 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 I typically am like, I don't know, I'm kind of like curious about certain sports documentaries um, just because I'm always curious about, especially in the elite levels. It's like, God, what do these people do? How do they get to where they are? And it's, it's always fascinating to hear that. Plus, especially if it's just like a story of a unique thing, there's always so much excitement around sports and it's always kind of cool to get an insight into that. And I actually remember I followed this, I follow like sports at different brief times, periods of time. And at this point in time, in like the mid two thousands, um, I was watching, or the mid-aughts, I should say. Um, I was actually paying attention to college football. I don't know why, but I was. And um, I I remembered about the Florida Gators being good at that time. And uh, I had heard uh, on a podcast people talking about this. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll check this out. And it was like on my flight for work. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll watch it. It's four episodes, whatever. No big deal. I started watching it. And... Uh, when it was done with those four episodes, I was like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about this, but it's mostly sad. I feel mostly really sad yeah. about this, and I feel sad for everyone that was involved, even though a lot of them are like, you know, like guys like Tim Tebow and uh, the head coach. I'm already forgetting his name. Uh, Urban Meyer. Chase Utley. 
<laughs> and some other people who were just, uh, you know, I don't know, just talking about the good times. I'm like, were there good times? Were there? Was it good? Was it good for you? Yeah. And um, yeah, it it, it kind of left me with a, a bad taste in my mouth. Did you watch it at all? I, I, I did not. Uh, I did not. That's get fine. The, I realized that each episode was 45 minutes. And I'm like, there's yeah. no way I'm going to be able it's to. Like, do you don't have time. I watched the trailer. Hey, there you go. So hey. I got a good idea of where it goes. You got a sense of it. Um, yeah. So it, I didn't. I'll say this from the trailer. I didn't realize that things got so fucking nutty with them. Like, mm-hmm. like that. In like the the training uh, and and the partying and the like, I didn't realize it got that intense. Yeah, it's uh, if you're not familiar, like the it tells the story of the Florida Gators from basically like 2005 through 2009, and um, you know, getting a, a an insight into what the program was like, and then how Urban Meyer came and essentially, you know, put the program on the map because they had won one national title and their hundreds of years of existence and um you know florida is a lot like texas and that football is life in a lot of ways and so people were just demanding a lot out of you know out of the team and you know i'm not going to spoil this for anyone who wants to watch it but it's you know what they really talked about was their work routines which I guess was impressive to some degree because I don't think, especially when it comes to like, like I said, like sports at high levels, I don't think people realize how much work goes into being right. that good. It, there, there's a, there's a level of mental toughness and there's a, a, a level of physical just ability that most of us will never, ever have. Mm-hmm. And to watch, you know, see what these guys did to train and, and what what they and the whole point of Urban Meyer was to essentially test their mental toughness. He's basically was like, "I'm going to put you guys through hell, and you can feel free to quit if you want. And if you do, that's fine because I want the people that are going to stay because that means they're they're willing to tough this out and and whatever. Because the SEC conference is incredibly competitive, and in football at the time." It was just like they had the BCS rankings, which basically means the number one and the number two ranked teams played each other for the national championship, which meant you could not have more than one loss in the regular season or to, to make it to the national championship. You essentially had to almost go undefeated every year or at least have one loss. If you get two losses, you're fucking done. There's no way you're going to get in. And so the pressure, every single game mattered. And, and so, like, what you had to do and, and everything, and that's really what the this, this was a story of, was just a story of pressure. Like, can you handle the pressure? And it sounded like an absolute fucking nightmare yeah. to me. As, I mean, as yeah. a college athlete, when you have to, when, when you are expected to win out the entire yeah. fucking season, that is, that's insanity. Yeah. It bothered me because I didn't remember whether or not I liked Tim Debow. But when I watched this, I was like, oh, right. I don't think I liked you. Um, <laughs> he seems like a nice guy, but he's definitely got big time Jesus, you know, oh. vibes. To say vibes is being an understatement. I mean, the guy right. was homeschooled. His parents were missionaries. The first shot you're introduced to him, he's like reading a Bible. Like as like, you know, the B-roll shot, he's holding yeah, his Bible. And I'm tracks. like, oh, I immediately go, oh, that's right. Like, oh, was my, I forgot about this. I, 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 I said that out loud in the airport i was like oh that's right this guy you know it's just 
so gross. Because um, he has a it's the thing he says, like when he started like playing peewee football, um, his coach was like, hey, guys, this isn't about winning. This is about going out there and just, you know, doing your best. And, and allegedly, according to Tim, he said, no, coach, that's not right. This is about winning. And I'm like, how old were you? Because, no, at some point it's about learning how to play the fucking game. Right. Because you can, you can, I firmly believe when it comes to sports and you're teaching kids, winning is not the most important thing early on. You need mm-hmm. to teach them the fundamentals, the basics. You need to have them understand. Now, there should absolutely be competitions. I don't necessarily believe like there's no winner, but winning should not be the priority when you are like sure. less than, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. Like once Chicken you start getting age. into like junior high or whatever, like, yeah, winning should matter to some degree, but at the same time, you there also has to be an understanding of what age level are we at? What skill level are we at? Right. We are teaching you how to do things. And at some point, that is going to ramp up if you want it to. If you want right. it to ramp up and you go to the next level, then it becomes more competitive. It was the same way when I started learning how to wrestle. I started in seventh grade. I didn't know how to fucking do it. So uh, I think I, I was four and seven my seventh grade season. And I was like, I don't know, nine and two or nine and one my eighth grade year. Like I got tremendously better. And then freshman year, I got my shit pounded in. Like, but each year I got pounded on less and less. I got better every year and I did better. I got further every year. Like my freshman year, uh, didn't get anywhere. I was, I wasn't really on varsity. My sophomore year, I made it from districts to sectionals. Junior year, I made it to the state tournament and my senior year I placed like every year I got better and the competition increased as I got older and as I progressed through those things I learned how to throw shot put when I was in fucking fifth grade do you think I was going out there being like I'm gonna be the best I was like no I was learning how to throw this goddamn steel ball into a pit of rocks you know I didn't understand how any of that stuff worked and so the idea was like learn the technique learn how this works so that you can apply it and get better, which I did. I went on to do that in college and compete and understand when that competition needs to kick in. Not when you're a fucking child. That's absurd to have someone be that upset. And maybe it's because I'm not an athlete at that level. Maybe it's because I don't operate. I'm not a Michael Jordan who just like, or Kobe Bryant who's like, competition like winning meant everything to them they were ultra competitive but i also would be incredibly disturbed by a child who was that way because i'd be like absolutely you know absolutely look most children if they're that way um are it's coming from the parent Mm -hmm. you know most most children don't have that strong of convictions about anything if they do odds are you can trace it but they always say follow the money Follow mm. the convictions. Usually you can follow that back to a parent who's beating it into them. Because yeah. I just don't think kids, I don't know, maybe there's a, there's a few like the Jordans and the Kobe's and the LeBron's and that's, you know, maybe there are a few that from a very young age, just, they're just wired a certain way where they're like, win, I win or I don't play, you know, but I feel like most kids, if they're preaching that it's coming from somewhere else. I also think it comes with a drive to become better. Because um, I watched the Steph Curry documentary and he used to shoot because he was so much smaller. He used to shoot from his chest. Okay. And it wasn't, you know, he was getting frustrated with that. And his dad was like, all right, well, if you want to get better, then you have to change your shot. And he spent an entire summer every single day 
working on his shot. And his dad wow. goes, I'm not lying to you when I say he probably missed every shot for the for three months as Shit. he was trying to learn how to change his form. But he was driven and he was dedicated to keep going. I think that's the difference because the people that are ultra competitive are going to work their asses off to make sure they're in a position to win. And I think that, sure. in my opinion, just no studies or anything, I think anyone who's at that elite level puts in the fucking work. Like there's no one, Without there's people that are naturally good that then work on top of that to just exponentially increase their abilities right. as they go along. Cause that's what, that's what those people do. They got to have Otherwise, those, those both connections to be, you know, both talented and work ethic. Otherwise you're Rudy, you know? Oh dude, you, f that's exactly where I was going. That's like I exactly where I was going, man. Yeah. Fucking right here. Cause Rudy had the desire, but he did not have the talent and you can only get so far if you don't have the talent. So, uh, so when I, so when I going back to this, like I see these guys are super talented, you know, they're working really hard. But what I really got to put it in the most basic terms, what I got sad about was the culture because many players are saying the culture was you are either praised or you are humiliated. Sure. Yeah. Those are the only yeah. two things based on how you perform. You are praised or you are humiliated. Right. And there was even a point like where when they ate. Like the top players sat in a different part of, of, of their cafeteria than everyone else. And they were fed sure. steaks and really good food. And everyone else had to sit somewhere else, like and down. Like they were seated up higher than everyone else. And everyone else was lower. And they got like hot dogs and hamburgers, which I'm like, that sounds, Shit, sounds fine to me. I mean, I oh, totally eat that. But essentially what the coach was saying, which Ramai was saying is like, prove to me that you're worth being up here. With the good players, and I'm willing to spend, I'm willing to spend on you. I'm willing to spend time and everything. I'm going to give you my attention if you're worth it. Yeah. And I'm like, whew, like that toxicity. One of the players was even you know, he's quoted in the film as he's being like, "I'm not proud of the man I was, of the yeah. things that I did, of the way mm -hmm. I talked." He goes, "I don't even. I've never told my son about." the way that I was because I'm not proud of who I was. And I do not sure. like that culture of praise or humiliation. Right. Someone may argue that's what it takes to be at that level. You either get it or you don't. Yeah. But for me personally, I don't thrive in that environment. That kills my spirit in those environments. And I witnessed a, a, definitely a, a window of that in my high school football experience where the insane amount of pressure and lack of support had me playing out of fear and sure. not playing out of like passion and excitement and joy. <clears throat> and that was starkly different from my college experience and track where my coach was like, be reckless, be aggressive, have fun. That was our mantra. He's like, yeah. I don't give a shit if you foul out throwing shot put, if you're giving it your all and you're going for it, you're not holding back, he's like, I'll support you. I don't care. As long as I know it's you're giving awesome. it your all. It was a stark difference, and I felt so passionate and excited, and, and like I felt part of something because of that love of sport. That's what I – That's what. now I know everyone operates differently, but if it was like you either succeed and are praised or you fail and you're humiliated publicly, I'm like, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm well, out. That's a it's a slippery slope to me because that – mentality could easily lead to what we saw at Northwestern mm, right. happening there, right? Because it was if you made a mistake or if you got marked, you know, mm. then you had that 
I can't remember what the term was, but it was basically where the eight guys held you down and one dude humped you, right? Like yeah. that, like you, you got marked. And I think it was based on performance. If you fucked up while you were in practice, you know, you missed a play or you biffed a catch or whatever, like that's that you, you, they would mark you and that would happen. And so again, it's, you know, the, the winners get praised and anyone else who makes a mistake gets this humiliation and it can easily backslide into this hazing, sexual assault, weird, you know, fucking, uh, just this weird environment that, it, that, that festers with, with that kind of mentality. I, I think it's, I don't think anyone personally, I don't think, I don't care what level you're playing at. I don't think that's healthy. I just, I just don't. I think there are ways of motivating people that don't rely on humiliation or, or putting someone under someone else, either physically or uh, status wise. I agree. I want to make a very big distinction here. Uh, me playing uh, Division Three track versus Division One SEC football, very different levels of pressure. No. Okay. Disagree. Extreme. I, I played neither, and I disagree. <laughs> Extreme differences in pressure uh, there. You know, it's the same thing I've seen in like when I've watched like uh, training combines or tryouts for the NFL. Yeah. Like receivers get like three chances right. <laughs> to catch no, a ball. Get, again, you know? like the pressure's high. I absolutely yeah. like uh, the pressure's high, and people need to stay motivated. But mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't see any any world where that is acceptable to to. To treat someone like, I mean, sure, like, you know, raise your voice, you know, motivate them, yell at mm-hmm. them if you need to, like, in again, in a, not in a belittling way, but like, you know, yeah. get, get that, get that energy level up and, you know, motivate them to do better. But you, like, anytime where you're putting someone over someone else, you are, you are, that's one foot on a very slippery slope. Yeah. Because I think there, there's, there's, like, I think especially at like the elite level, like the NFL, where you're literally getting paid. Uh, to do your job, which mm-hmm. is play football, there's an expectation of like, hey, uh, we're expecting you to catch these balls, to make these tackles, to block, and to do all these sorts of things. And so that is like professional, professional, man to man, that is my expectation of you. And if you do not make that, there will be consequences for that. So like I understand, you know, like to again, we're talking about the level that you're willing to go to to be competitive right. and to be in the elite. Um, but when I saw like one of the most stark things that happened, you know, that stood out to me was um, when Florida won their second championship um, immediately after they won. Urban Meyer was in the locker room texting recruits for the next season like he couldn't even enjoy Shit. his second championship because he was immediately looking to the next season. And he actually ended up having to quit for a hot second because, like, he couldn't handle it mentally because the stress and the pressure was absolutely killing him. Like, he wasn't sleeping. He just, it was eating him alive and he just couldn't handle it. And I look at that as, like, what is the cost of success? You know, because if that's what you have to go through to be successful, I'm like, if you t- and again, I don't know. It, it, it's to each person their own. Like some person's like, man, my dream is to win a fucking national championship at a Division One collegiate football school. Like, yeah. uh, tell me what I need to do, coach, and I'm going to do it. I will work my balls off. I will do this. I will sacrifice whatever it takes. If so- that's truly someone's goal, far be it for me to get in someone's way or to judge them on that sort of stuff. But I feel like if you look at the repercussions of that. If you can look back on that and still be proud, congratulations. But if you look back on that and say, boy, we were willing to do this for a game. 
for a game. We were willing to do this for a game, for yeah. a sport. We were willing to do all <clears throat> this shit for a sport. There's nothing to, sporting about that. No, to humiliate people, right. to belittle people, to push people to the brink when they're between the ages of 18 and 22. You're willing to just leave this mark on them like that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, some of those guys went on to play in the NFL, so maybe this was preparing them for that. I don't know. But I I felt like when I watched that show, and there's these moments of great celebration, you're like, great, but it's very much undercut by the aftermath of the pressure of the weight of it, of what do you have to do like to – to keep this going. I don't know, man. I, I looked at that as just like, Jesus Christ. And I, I made me reflect on my experiences in sports and the good ones I had and the bad ones I had. A lot of the bad ones I had were football related because it's I just a different w- culture, man. It, I really do. Like it's a, it's a very different culture that just football in general. Yeah. I mean, I had a phenomenal wrestling coach. I had phenomenal wrestling coaches and I feel like they were probably the most profound ones I had in high school. Um, they helped me build my confidence and they were supportive. And when times, when times needed, when tough love needed to be had, I received it. Uh, I got a little bit of public humiliation in, in, yeah. in wrestling. And I remember being really upset about it at the time, but essentially my assistant coach, who was, who was the bulldog, you know, over a holiday practice in front of everyone, he's like, you need to stop being a fucking pussy. And like, he said that in front of everyone. And I was, remember I hurt my feelings so much. Like I got really upset. I went home and I told my dad, I was like, Hooper said, I need to stop being a pussy in front of everybody. But he was also doing it to everyone. He was like, yeah. you need to do this. You need to do that. He's like, you need to be, stop being a fucking pussy. But you know what I did? I sucked it up and I was like, he's right. I am being a pussy. I'm overthinking stuff. I need to be more aggressive. And it turned me around. I needed to hear that at that time. Didn't want to hear it, but I needed to hear it. And I knew he did that out of love too. I knew this is my senior year. This guy has been coaching me for over three years at that point in time, he was like, ah, come on. Like, he's like, come on, get it together. You know, I know you're better than this. I know. this, Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was right. And because I trusted him and I respected him and I heard that and it hurt, but I needed to hear it and it made me better. And I knew he did that out of love. And so when I think back to like football, I think about the coaches and the dumbass shit that we were doing and, what they were, what I mean, it was awful, absolutely awful, yeah. dumb. And and by my senior year, I was just like, I'm here to have fun, man. What what, what are we doing? What are we pretending? We, what, what do you right. think this is? You know, we this is Friday Night Lights. Come on, <laughs> come on. We haven't had a winning record in my entire tenure here. What do you think we're gonna do? You think we're gonna do it this year? Nah, that ain't gonna happen. That ain't gonna happen. I know that. You know that. Let's have fun. You know, like let's just we'll, we'll try our best, but like let's let's not kid ourselves here. We're not great. Yeah. Every game we won, we won by a f- just this much, this much. Every game we won was just like, why does it have to be a nail biter? Why can't we blow someone out? Never was. It was like double overtime or whatever, man. It was insane. It was just barely. It was just like, ah, we're just not that good. <laughs> See, that sounds to me like a very practical approach to how, mm-hmm. you know, to understanding where you're at with your skill level, with your team. Mm-hmm. And, how, and where you think you're going to go. It's a very, you've been very practical for a long time, Doug. I have. You got the questions, we got the answers. All you do is ask. Practical, 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 ask practical, Doug. Ah.
feels good to be back. If you haven't been here for Nash Practical, Doug. I'm going to come. You heard it here first, folks. Former President Trump. (laughs) Going to come. Yep. Uh, (laughs) There's a small Doug that lives inside Large Doug. Small Doug's known as Practical Doug. And he guides Large Doug and all of uh, life's... Uh, through all of life's quests, its quandaries, its questions, its quagmires. And, uh, you know, if you want to ask Practical Doug a question, you can ask Practical Doug a question. You can go on any social media that we're on. You can at MindGapPodcast and hashtag AskPracticalDoug. You can even go to our Discord where there's a specific channel set up for Ask Practical Doug questions. And if you ask a good enough question, it might get on the air. Unfortunately, no one asked a good question this week. I'm looking at you, Jared. Yeah. Uh, so we went back to our uh, favorite subreddit, Am I the Asshole? And Doug, there's two that I have in here. Uh, do you have a preference on which one? I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read let's the do, titles. Let's do. Uh, let's do the aisle seat one. Let's All do right. That. So here we go. So this is Am I the Asshole? So this is uh, Throwaway 06121. Am I the asshole for not giving my boyfriend the aisle seat or best friend? I don't know. It's just as BF. Okay. This feels kind of dumb to even write, but here we go. My boyfriend answered 30 male and I 30 female will be on a 15 hour long flight in two weeks. It's both of our first international flights and both seats are in economy for a tiny bit of context. He and I have been together for four years, but we did split up for about three weeks around six months ago. Too much math. This is relevant because this is when I booked the flight for myself. I guess I was trying to do a whole eat, pray, love thing to cope. When we rec- then when we reconciled, I told him about the trip. He expect- expressed interest in going, uh, in joining me. Sorry, and I was even more uh, more than happy to have him along. When I booked the flight, I picked an aisle seat for myself. I'm small in stature, at five feet tall, while he is a tall guy, around six foot seven. I didn't even think a seat on my flight would be available since I was booking his trip a few weeks after mine. So when I saw that one was, we decided to book it right away without really considering the seating arrangement. Fast forward to now, we're doing our trip prep uh, things and suddenly it hits him like a ton of bricks. Wait, what's my seat assignment again? When he sees that he's assigned a seat in the middle-ish, it's a four-seat row, he immediately asks me to switch with him. I told him, no, I don't want to sit in the middle. Mainly... This is because of social anxiety and all the other general reasons that people hate the middle seat and the long plane ride. But now he's really guilt tripping me, saying stuff like, well, you know, I'm going to have to get up and stretch my legs a thousand times during during this. And if the roles were reversed, I'd do it for you. That statement genuinely makes zero sense to me considering the content of this discussion, but I digress. Am I the asshole for not wanting to switch with him uh, for my own comfort? Should I let him have the aisle seat? Now there's an edit. For additional context, I paid for this flight. It is 100% free for him. And I did offer to give him the aisle seat on the return flight as a compromise. But he's kind of getting at wanting it for both legs of the flight. We're not fighting about this. We are not fighting about this. Him being mopey about it just makes me feel guilty. It's a mm. lot to lot to unpack there, Doug. But is throwaway O six one two one the asshole here? It's a great question. As someone who just recently flew mm. on a four and a half hour flight, and as someone that's six foot three inches, you know this is uh, this is important. When I flew, I made sure uh, to get either an aisle or a window because I was like, I'll scrunch in in the window because I ain't leaving. I ain't going right. anywhere. We all know Which, that Doug doesn't use the bathroom on the planes. 
Mm-mm. By the way, I was super paranoid. I was gonna have to take a shit on the plane after I talked all that stuff. <laughs> You're like beforehand. karma, yeah. Yeah, I was like waiting to the last second to go to the bathroom. I'm like I cannot use the bathroom. I won't do it. So on the way there, I was in the the window and I just scrunched in there and I was like, I ain't going anywhere. And on the way back, I was able to get an aisle, which I don't particularly like. Some people like it because you can stretch your legs, but I always just get people fucking hit me. Like let's say walk by the goddamn drink and snack carts come by and I feel like even more constrained. Sure. And then if people need to get up in there, they're like, I need to go to the bathroom. Then you got to get up. Like it's just, it's, it's a whole fucking thing. And I don't, sure. I prefer, I'm like, put me in the, I'll go in the goddamn, you know, window seat. That's fine. I'll, I'll make that work. So I understand. I can empathize with, uh, with this, this lady's boyfriend being six, seven, anyone that's taller than me. I'm like, dear God, it's I feel bad dude. for you. That's yeah. a big dude. Um, so I'll say this much. Um, I understand his concern. Um, but I don't think throwaway is the asshole here. Um, I think she is well within her rights to be like, no, I don't want to switch you. Cause who wants to go? Yeah. Give me the middle seat. Right. You know, um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, um, when Jill and I have to do a chore, that neither one of us wants to do, right? Like, I don't know, let's like go to one of Natalie's friend's birthday parties, you sure. know? I'm like, I don't want to go. She's like, I don't want to go either. So how about we both go so right. we can help each other out? It's like, that's a fair point. Like, no one wants this. So he should, in my opinion, her boyfriend should look at this and be like, let's look at the circumstances. This was booked in a time where we weren't together. Mm-hmm. Um, I've expressed interest in going and she's paying for it. Bingo. And I'm I should be lucky to get to go on this. And while it sucks that you're in a middle seat for 15 hours, that sucks. Um I think uh I th- I think you should just take it, take it on the chin, be a trooper. And if she offered to compromise and say, I'll take the aisle one and the middle and the next, maybe you should take that instead of being fucking greedy mm-hmm. and take it asking for both, like a little bitch, you know? Because that's what bitches do. They fucking complain and they want more than what they're being offered. It's compromised. You know, they should do yeah. that. So I would say, no, I don't think this person is because no one wants the goddamn middle seat. Right. No one does. So, no. yeah, fuck off. It is what it I is. I don't care if she's five foot. It doesn't yeah. make any difference. Middle seat no. still sucks. Yeah. Guess what? Him in the aisle still sucks. Right. Because it's 15 He's not hours. He's comfortable no matter what. No, you're in economy yeah. on a 15 hour international right. flight. You're going to be miserable right. wherever you are. You'll be slightly more comfortable in an aisle. Yeah. Maybe. Because I'll have to get up a thousand times. You'll still have to get up a thousand times even if you're in the goddamn aisle. So that's expected yeah. in an international flight. It's fine. Right? So get over it. Yeah. So yeah. I, no. The, uh, the poster here is not an asshole, in my opinion. What do you think? I have to agree. Uh, I think for all the reasons you stated, like it's it's she's paying for the flight. First and foremost, she's paying for the flight. If she's paying for it, that's to me that's open and shut. And it was booked when they were not uh, together, and and she's willing to compromise. I mean, everything everything from the way she's describing it. Now, if there's something that we don't know that could change the way that this goes, but everything as it's being described right now, I would say throw away oh six one two one, not the asshole. Boom. Decided. It is decided. Good stuff as always. Uh, Justin, what do you have to recommend this week? So uh, Netflix purchased a series of short stories from Roald Dahl. uh, From who? 
is it Renald, Roald, Roald, Dahl, Renald, Rowald, Rowald, Dowell? <laughs> what just happened? Uh, James and the Giant Peach. Oh, the British writer. Roald, okay. R-O-A-L-D, Roald, Dahl. Right? Okay. Is that how you would pronounce yeah. it? Great. So sure. He's a he's an author. Uh, they brought a series of short stories, um, and they tapped Wes Anderson to create short films from them. And uh, there's four, I believe, that they've adapted on Netflix, and the best of which is called "The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar." Now, this stars. Uh, I'm going to forget all the people. Um, this stars uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch uh, Dev Patel, Ben Kingsley, uh, Ray Fiennes, Rupert Friend, uh, Richard Aoti, uh, who you would know from the IT crowd and a couple other. So it's only like six characters playing, six people playing every character. And it's very interesting. Wow. Uh, love how Wes Anderson shot it. It's very Wes Anderson. Um, but just it's, it is part film, part stage play, and part book reading and it's the weirdest amalgamation of all three this one is the longest of the three i think this one is like 39 minutes or something the other ones are like 17 minutes um but they're all just really fun adaptations of short stories and then i went out this prompted me to go out to our library and i picked up the actual book of short stories that this is from and i'm reading it now and i just uh I would say it's it's really, really, it's quick, it's refreshing, it's fun. So The Wonderful World of Henry Sugar on Netflix. And then if you just look up Wes Anderson, you can find the other three or four that are on there. Cool. Yeah. Doug, you what know. do you got? Um, I uh, It takes a lot for me to watch a comedy movie these days. I haven't sure. really watched them in many, many years. But uh, I, I like Burt Kreischer, and I wanted to see what his movie The Machine was all about. And I threw it on with zero expectations. Really enjoyed it. It was okay. fun. It was a good. fun, fun little romp. Bert does a surprisingly good job in the film. Um, has some really good, really good comedic lines. Just like he's also extremely self-aware as he plays himself um, and his tendencies and things like that. It's very enjoyable. Um, Mark Hamill does a phenomenal job as his dad. <laughs> the whole time I'm just like, I, he, got to, he got to work with Mark Hamill. That's pretty I awesome. love the fact that he pulled Mark Hamill for this. That's awesome unbelievable and um yeah it was it was an enjoyable film it's fun um don't have like don't look for like a whole lot of depth but it's it's enjoyable it's it's really good i was i was pleasantly surprised as i was listening to it and i had a couple of really good laughs as i was watching it i'm like ah that's pretty good that was uh that was fun it made me it made me feel pretty good to to watch it so it was it was really good it was a nice fun self-aware if you're a fan of burt kreischer or two bears one cave or any of that sort of stuff there's some there's some fun references and stuff nice. like that in there. So it's it's definitely worth it. It's on Netflix. And you can check it out. It's it's worth a watch. I recommend it. Very good. Very good. All right, Very gang. Good. Well, uh, thanks so much for hanging out this week. Uh, please remember to like and subscribe on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash mindgappodcast. Uh, be sure to check out our Discord. The link is in the description below, as well as links to our merch at Redbubble, as well as our Patreon 
patreon.com slash mindgappodcast, all that good stuff. Uh, hit us up. Check out our on our social medias at mindgappodcast. That's where we post our clips from the show as well as some other fun stuff from our video game streams. I have a fun one out there about Donald Trump playing Among Us. You should check it out. It's pretty good. I, I um, enjoy it. That's very, very fun stuff. Very, very fun. I also host a video game stream uh, on... It fluctuates between Fridays and Saturdays, so uh, be sure to check us out for that as I play fun games in the universe and Justin exists well online. On Instagram, at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. It's the fun way of spelling it. While you're in the online realm, check us out on any podcast platform that you consume podcasts. You can find us, consume us there. Like, subscribe, share, rate, review. All those things. The big one, of course, is sharing because it is caring. TuiStaith.com, TuiStaith on all social media, loveandimprovfilm.com, loveandimprovfilm on Instagram. And we have some potential movement with, finally, with Love and Improv. We're, I can't, reveal what it is but we have some interest from some potential cameos and that hopefully will lead to some people wanting to give us money to fund this film finally so potentially good things coming keep an eye on the socials well that's fucking exciting glad to hear it buddy keep it up well that being said i want to say justin thank you doug thank you as always to our listeners and our viewers thank you and you all Have a dandy fucking week. Mind Gap Podcast.